You're listening to AZ Rock Talk, a podcast that interviews construction science technology professionals and industry partners about all things related to construction. This is Arizona Register of Contractors investigator, Alex Figueroa. And this is Arizona Register of Contractors public information liaison, Brianna Bang. In today's episode, we're talking to Michelle Walker, the immediate past chairperson for the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. You might remember from the last episode where we talked to Kelly Williams, the statewide suicide prevention coordinator, that the construction industry is one of the industries most affected by suicide. And because this is a preventable public health issue um, and September is National Suicide Prevention Month, Uh, We really wanted to take some more time just to talk about this issue, what resources are available, and what we can do as individuals, as employers, and as community members to help prevent suicide within our communities. Michelle, tell us about the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention and how you got involved, please. Yeah, so we formed um, as a actually a committee of um, an association back in 2016. And when we started, it was um, due to kind of some anecdotal um, evidence that we were seeing in the industry and a few people that were kind of doing some work in this. And it seemed like construction was um, a pretty at risk industry. And so we actually started, it all started with a uh, suicide prevention summit here in Arizona in Phoenix in April of 2016, where we brought together uh, the construction community and then local mental health um, agencies, and then some experts on um, suicide and mental health to kind of educate the industry. So that happened in April 2016. And then in um, July of 2016, the CDC released a study that was the first one that ranked suicides by industry, and that ranked construction at the, as the most at-risk industry for Um, suicide. And so we definitely wanted to take this to the industry as a whole and kind of outside of the association that we started with. And so we started this committee, um, you know, we started the Alliance as a committee, and then um, reaching out to other associations in the industry. And then in 2018, it became a separate standalone 501c3 organization. And um, so that we could really make the most impact as far as reaching um, contractors, uh, unions, other industry associations, um, kind of everybody that we can touch in the industry to get the message out about the need for uh, suicide prevention to become a health and safety priority in the industry. So I've really been involved from the beginning when this was kind of brought to us as an idea of something that should be tackled. Um, and then I ended up um, being the founding chairman of the Alliance. Um, and now I'm a past chairman, but still um, involved in kind of getting the word out to the industry. So what do you think it is about the construction industry that makes it the industry that's most affected by suicide? So um, part of it is just demographics. So um, men are uh, have a higher rate of suicide uh, than women. Uh, more men die by suicide than women um, by a lot, large margin. And uh, the industry, of course, is primarily uh, male and um, the the age group is one of the most at risk for suicide. So um, just the demographics itself lend it to being at risk for suicide. But then there's just factors within the industry. So when we look at um, kind of how we would define uh, somebody successful in construction and the trades, we might look at somebody who, you know, we might define them as, you know, strong and stoic and 
able to get things done kind of no matter what and uh, figure things out on their own. And all of those are fantastic uh, character traits and really what we love about the industry and the people who work in the industry. But those can also become major risk factors. So they can prevent somebody from asking for help or for admitting that they need help or that they're struggling with a mental illness or um, things like that. So really it's those character traits that are so valuable to to the industry that can uh, prohibit somebody from accessing help when they need it and put them at increased risk. And then there's the factors like out of town um, work and being away from family and support structure there's the issue of chronic pain that may be due to just excessive wear and tear on um, the body from years of physical work, or maybe due to uh, a workplace injury that wasn't properly treated or dealt with. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of factors that go into it. So yeah, demographics, kind of the nature of, of the work and kind of that that real tough guy mentality, chronic pain um, that then, you know, stemming from different situations. And then all of those things can lead to kind of that self-medication. So untreated mental illness, um, willingness to ask for help with personal situations, untreated chronic pain, um, all of that can lead to kind of self-medication with other substances, which can lead to addiction and substance abuse issues, which increase risks as well. So those are some of the big factors in the industry. Jumping ahead a little bit, but a lot of the risk factors that you mentioned um, remind me of the veteran population as well. And we know that construction, the construction industry is a big employer of the veteran population. So do you think that also plays a role in why it's such a prevalent problem in the, the industry? Yeah, that's absolutely one of the other risk factors. It's just, you know, part of that demographics is a large veteran population. Um, and then when you look at kind of the nature of the work, it's great work for veterans to get into. But if you're then just kind of compounding some of those um, issues of undealt with emotions, um, that can really kind of put those, um, that veteran population that's already at an increased risk at a further increased risk. And then just not, you know, when we look at kind of the, the addictions and making sure that those are being addressed. Um, and then the PTSD, you know, construction can have elements in it in the work that can be triggers for somebody who may be dealing with PTSD from combat situations. So it can even kind of exacerbate some of the issues as well. So employers of veterans, you know, construction employers of veterans really have to take that increased look and pay extra attention to making sure that it's a safe environment uh, for them to be working in. And we know that uh, this issue, it's not just an individual issue, but it's a workplace and a community issue. So can you talk just a little bit about how a suicide or a death by suicide affects um, the workplace and the other employees there? Absolutely. So yeah, that's a great um, point. And uh, we talk about the ripple effect of suicide. Um, so unlike other forms of um, other ways of somebody dying, there's typically a lot of guilt associated with a suicide, maybe anger, you know, really misunderstanding. And even more dangerous, kind of an unwillingness to talk about it. So that like leaves those grieving and those dealing with those emotions um, in a really hard place because they're themselves not processing their feelings. And so somebody who loses uh, somebody close to them to suicide is at an increased risk of dying by suicide themselves because of those kind of compounded grief factors that aren't, aren't addressed because of the stigma of talking about suicide. 
Um, it's estimated that for everybody who dies by suicide, about 112 lives are impacted by that just because of that real ripple effect of those emotions and those kind of undealt with um, feelings uh, that go along with the suicide. And even more importantly, kind of to, to think about too, is it's not just completed suicides where somebody dies, but attempted suicides where uh the person survives, but, you know, for every suicide death, there's an estimated 25 attempts. And so when you think of somebody and the trauma of um, trying to return um, to normal life after that, and then how are they impacting the people and how are they dealing with emotions? So um, both deaths and attempts have a real impact on the population. So it's really important to kind of get the word out and let people know it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to be open with emotions and, and that the help that can come from addressing it so that those feelings of, of anger or shame or remorse aren't compounded and lead others to an increased risk as well. Michelle, thank you for joining us for this topic. How can employers get involved in suicide prevention? Yeah, so um, that's really what we're here for. That's what the Construction Industry Alliance um, was created to do is to give employers a pathway to address this, um, like I said, as a health and safety priority with their workforce. And so um, it really starts with talking about it. So it's building, um, building awareness. So we call it mental health literacy, making people aware that these are normal, normal experiences, normal feelings, normal illnesses, that mental illness is no different than a physical illness. The brain is a part of the body. And, um, you know, if they're dealing with depression or anxiety or, you know, struggling with an addiction issue or whatever it may be, that there is help out there, there's treatment available, and that it's okay to talk about it and ask for help. And so it's really just getting the word out there and helping people understand that these are, that nothing is, you know, they're not weird, and they're not, it, it's, it's curable, it's, you know, treatable, and there's hope out there. It's building that hope for people that are struggling with these, these uh, illnesses or these situations. Um, and then they can, you know, build, build out support structures that allow people to ask for help if they're in times of need. So it might not be a, a mental illness that's leading to a risk of depression, but it might be, you know, a personal situation that they're dealing with, a personal crisis. And so it's setting up those support structures um, in the workplace so that somebody can ask for help. You know, maybe it's a relationship issue. Maybe it's a problem with a, a situation with a child. Maybe there's been a death um, of somebody in the family or, you know, somebody that was, they were close with and they don't know how to process that. And so it's opening up the conversation to allow um, a healthy way of dealing with those things rather than spiraling into a cycle of substance abuse or other sorts of, um, you know, addiction issues or, you know, self, self-harming behaviors like, um, you know, showing up late for work or not showing up or poor performance, all of those things that can result when issues are properly dealt with, which then could lead to um, impacting their employment and, and pushing them further down a spiral of decline and despair. So I was talking to another one of our investigators um, who used to work on a lot of like big construction sites. And she mentioned that she thought this kind of prevention stuff about suicide prevention could be rolled into like toolbox talks. So do you think that would be a good place for maybe some of these employers to start just kind of opening up the conversation? Because yeah, she told me that they talk a lot about, you know, heat stroke prevention and, you know, how to prevent other job site um, 
accidents from happening, but that they never um, had to talk about suicide prevention or mental health or anything related. So do you think that might be a good place for a small employer or somebody that's just wanting to dip their toes into this topic to start? Absolutely. Um, that's a great place to start. So uh, this, the CISP, the, the Alliance for Suicide Prevention, um, our website, which is preventconstructionsuicide.com, um, we've got a ton of resources on there. And one of the ones that I promote the highest is our toolbox talks. So um, our um, kind of slogan is stand up for suicide prevention. And so stand, um, the word stand is the big key. And that's an acronym for uh, safe. So creating safe environments where people feel safe to ask for help for themselves or others. T is for train. So providing training on um, suicide prevention, mental health, um, you know, warning signs, how to talk to somebody. A is for awareness. So building the awareness, having these conversations, getting people um, familiar with the topic. And is normalizing. So again, by having these conversations, making people feel comfortable talking about these things. And D is for decrease. So ultimately with the goal of decreasing the rate of suicide um, in the industry. And so we've actually got um, a series of toolbox talks that one covers each of those items. So it's kind of a built-in series that you can take through um, and roll out to, to crews. So, you know, there's those available and then there's things like posters, you know, so every job site has a job board um, with posters on there about different health and safety elements we've got posters up there right now on the website available um, that you can purchase or you can just download and print yourself um, that you can hang on job boards or, you know, hang in the, the porta johns on job sites or, you know, in common uh, work areas. And so again, all of those things to kind of start building that um, awareness out uh, to get people comfortable talking about it. And kind of moving on to a completely different track. Um, is there a particular part of the construction industry that is maybe more at risk than others? Um, for example, do you think there's a big difference in risk for somebody that's working for a remodeling company or maybe like an air conditioning company and they're, you know, within the state, uh, you know, they have access to their support network versus someone that's working for one of these really big um, companies that they might need to travel, they might be out of work several months of the year. Do you think um, those types of factors change their risk level at all? Um, so interestingly, um, we kind of always wondered that. And I talked about the CDC study that was um, released in um, 2016 that ranked construction as the highest, um, the industry with the highest suicide rate. And then a few years after that, um, actually in 2018, I think, or Actually, no, it was 2020. It was just recently, but it's based on older numbers. But they re they further um, drilled that down to different uh, trades within the construction industry. And what we were surprised by is that it really was throughout the gamut of um, the industry in kind of all roles, um, from management to entry level entry level laborers um, to you know different skilled trades within the industry. So it really does run the gamut throughout the industry. Um, as far as the um, company type, I think that you eliminate some of the risk factors such as the, you know, if you can take away kind of that separation from 
um, home and support systems by eliminating travel and some of the family pressures that that puts on um, by being with a local um, smaller contractor. I think that's definitely, you know, that that takes, you know, you can kind of start chipping away at some of the risk factors, but you also then kind of have some trade-offs. So um, in a in a larger company, there may be more people there able to kind of pick up and, and do the work. And so there's less maybe individual pressure on each person. Whereas in a smaller contractor, you know, I work for a small contractor here in Phoenix and um, each person is, you know, we're really critically dependent on each person. So maybe that adds a little bit to the pressure. Big contractors have been a little bit quicker on the uptake as far as building these, you know, some of these protective factors in and incorporating some of this, um, this as a health and safety topic. So employees might be a little bit better protected in some of the larger companies who might have some additional benefits in place or already incorporating training. But the advantage that I think small contractors have, and I speak um, from my own from my own experience on this, is that ability to kind of get to know each person a little bit more individually and personally. Um, so uh, you are more equipped to recognize maybe I can recognize myself and I'm not recognize I'm not depending on um, a, a foreman in the field to recognize a warning sign or that something's off or to know that they're experiencing something personally. Those personal relationships are kind of already a little bit more built in. So I guess I would say it depends. I think on the surface, it might look like, you know, you're kind of taking away some risk factors when you can eliminate some of those um, elements of working for a large or a national contractor where travel and kind of those big high pressure projects are um, in place, but then, um, you know, they, they each kind of have their pros and cons, um, but definitely based on what the CDC study um, showed, it, it really runs the gamut throughout the industry. That's really interesting. I would like to see them do more studies about that because just when you mentioned, um, you know, it pretty much stays the same from management down to the like the laborer. I think that's interesting because you would think like for business owners, the pressure of being responsible for other people's, you know, wages and all of that, in addition to the pressures of running a successful business. Um, I don't that's just it's really interesting. I feel like hopefully they'll study it more in the future. Um, sorry, Alex, I got kind of on a train. Uh, if you want to pick up where we left off. <laughs> of course. Michelle Alex here. Are there initiatives CIASP is working on and what training and resources does CIASP offer? Yeah. So um, like I mentioned, our website is uh, preventconstructionsuicide.com and hopefully we can you know link to that in the notes of this or something. Um, but all the resources that are on there are free and available to the entire industry. Um, we don't charge for, for any of the information and resources that we provide. And so on there, there's um, some videos that uh, company leaders can watch to learn more um, themselves on this topic, but also, you know, some of them are appropriate to share with, you know, crews and use as a training tool. Um, they could even be used, some of them almost like as a video toolbox talk. Um, there are, there's a training program on there. So we partner with a company called Living Works um, that is a suicide prevention training organization. And there's a one hour online kind of on-demand web-based training called Start um, that helps people um, learn to identify the warning signs um, for somebody at risk of suicide and also helps them to um, 
you know, understand how to have a conversation with somebody they feel maybe at risk. Um, so that's available on there. And um, if you take the pledge to kind of pledge and say that as a company, you're going to address this as a, as a health and safety topic, um, we can even make some of those licenses available at no cost for your team to do. Otherwise, it's, I think, $30 a person. So it's very, very reachable and attainable as a training. We have a, a mental health screening tool on there, which is a really great way for people to kind of, you know, I talked about that mental health literacy. It's a great way for people to kind of identify this is what uh, I'm experiencing these things. And I never, I didn't really know that this was something official. Like I just thought it was, I thought it was just me and they don't really understand that it could be something, you know, a treatable condition um, or something that just by, you know, talking about it and, and seeking help, they could really improve their lives. So that's, that's on there and that's available at no cost um, for people to access and share with their teams. And then, like I said, the toolbox talks are on there. Um, the posters are on there. Um, there's an online store that you can access and get hard hat stickers and wallet cards so that your people have uh, the, you know, their little wallet cards that they can keep with them that show some of the warning signs on there so that they kind of have that readily available and then also have the suicide prevention lifeline and crisis text line on there. So there's there's a whole gamut of, of tools and resources on there. We have social media to try to get the the um, word out and and again, build that just start the conversation and get people comfortable talking about it um, to really um, build the comfort level within the workforce to, to seek help when needed and then get the word out among contractors to really take this stand. And I call it, you know, creating caring cultures. That's really where it's at is if, you know, contractors will create the caring cultures to make people feel safe, to ask for help for themselves or others when they need it. Um, that's really, you know, how we're going to address this issue. Thank you, Michelle. That's a good self-awareness. Could you help articulate what signs uh, should friends, family, coworkers look out for? Signs that someone might be struggling? The signs all typically come down to um, changes in behavior. And that's what's, I think, really key. And that's why um, building relationships is so important in the workplace. Because if you don't really know somebody, you're not going to identify a change in behavior. Um, and so some of the work related things that people might notice are um, a decrease in their ability to solve problems, a decrease in self-confidence, a decrease in productivity. So there's that change in behavior that really is making them, you know, kind of a less effective employee than they may have already been. Um, and then an increase in um, either tardiness or absenteeism, um, an increase in conflict, you know, among coworkers, maybe um, among, you know, clients on job sites, and an increase in um, safety-related issues, near hits, incidents, injuries, you know, so those kind of changes in their workplace behaviors are definite warning signs. Things that might be noticed either by family and friends or also might be noticed in the workplace, um, things like getting your affairs in order. So I think this is another real place in the workplace where I've heard stories that have ended in a suicide, but um you know, the person that comes in all of a sudden to talk to HR about what pathways for survivors to access their, you know, 401k or, you know, making sure that everything's in line with a 401k is kind of suddenly out of the blue or um, giving away tools. So that's another story that I've heard in the industry is at the end of the shift, you know, people giving away their tools to coworkers kind of unexplained. So it's that getting things in order. That's definitely a warning sign an increase in drug or alcohol use, kind of doing things that seem self-destructive 
is definitely something to watch out for. And then just what are they saying? So talking about being hopeless, talking about wanting to die, saying that they feel like they're a burden, you know, withdrawing from social situations, withdrawing from groups that they might've been a part of um, before. So it's that, you know, kind of um, self-isolation and then talking about, you know, being a burden, everybody would be better off without me. There's no reason for me to live. You know, those kinds of statements are definite warning signs. Where can someone experiencing thoughts of suicide or self-harm go to get help, Michelle? So the two key resources that anybody can access anytime are the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So that's going to be the kind of national um, suicide prevention lifeline that anybody can call, like I said, at any time. The number for the suicide prevention lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can call yourself or if you're with somebody who is at risk, you can call for them and get that conversation started. The other is the crisis text line. So you can text, you know, help, hello, whatever, you just anything to get the conversation started to 741-741. Um, and, um, that is the, you know, if, if that's an easier way for people to, to communicate or connect, and that is again, available to, to anyone. And you can, you can start that conversation on behalf of somebody, or they can start it themselves. And then employers can also make sure that employees, if it's not a crisis situation, have access to, um, resources. So if you have an EAP, you know, employee assistance program, that people know how to access that to get help um, through your group health benefits, make sure they know how to access um, their behavioral health care. If they just need to go talk to somebody, get some counseling, get some um, therapy, um, they know how to access those benefits um, through that. And, um, and then again, getting people trained in the workplace so that um, they feel comfortable maybe having that initial conversation with somebody um, of expressing concern for um, them possibly being at risk of suicide, and then knowing how to connect them with care with those next um, steps. I'm just kind of rethinking about the, what you said about how important it is to make those uh, workplace connections and to have those workplace relationships. And I'm just thinking the construction industry is kind of interesting because this is for a lot of the construction industry, it's a hands-on job. And so you're even with the pandemic still working in close proximity to other people. So I think uh, in this public health situation, it kind of puts them at an advantage. Um, But then there's Still, I'm sure some folks that work, you know, in the office side of construction, maybe they're not working directly with their coworkers as often as they were before the pandemic. So it's definitely something to think about uh, as we're moving through this interesting period in history um, and keeping those connections and relationships alive. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, we've seen... um, some turnover. And so there's, you know, a lot of people in our office that I don't even recognize. So definitely just something to think about food for thought. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's just that it's that checking in on people and and finding those ways to um, maintain connections that were already there and then how to build new ones. And through the pandemic, one of the things that we focused on is that maybe, you know, it was our industry maybe wasn't dealing with the issues that others were as far as, you know, being out of work and things like that, but maybe they're um, 
spouses were, you know, or their kids were with not being in school. Um, and then just the added kind of family pressures that they were feeling by maybe a spouse being out of work or just kind of the stress that everybody got under of everybody suddenly being at home and how do you navigate all of this? So there's just kind of all those other stressors that we kind of discount maybe because we just think, oh, you know, we're so lucky we're all still working, but there's still all those other stressors that people are having to deal with um, that definitely build up um, even if they are still having an income. Yeah, I, I know it'd be interesting to look at, I mean, in multiple perspectives, just the the data that comes out of the two year, this two year period. <laughs> Um, but is there anything else that you want to talk about while you have a microphone in front of you? No, I would just encourage everybody, um, especially employers to visit um, the website. Again, it's preventconstructionsuicide.com and just access all the resources that we've been able to compile over the last five years that are really there to help employers um, take this next step. So if you're looking at a place to get started, there's a tool on there called the needs analysis an integration checklist, and it's an interactive document that kind of walk you through some questions of things you might already be doing um, or things you might consider doing. Uh, and just doing one thing is better than doing nothing. So don't feel like you have to, you know, hire a bunch of people to take this on or start an entire, you know, different department or division. Um, suicide prevention is really best if it's baked in versus bolted on. So not just kind of adding this in as a separate thing, but get different people in different facets of the company involved, whether that's safety, HR, um, you know, leadership training, you know, wherever it's at, get people involved. And that's how you're really going to get that cultural level uh, buy-in and investment and uh, change that needs to happen in order to, to keep our workforce safe. Michelle, thank you for coming on with us and talking about this delicate, but obviously very important issue. And Hopefully, whoever hears this, if they are struggling with suicide and whatnot, um, this has opened the door for dialogue or communication with somebody that they love or even at the office, as we discussed. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, if, if we can help one person, it's all worth it. But uh, hopefully, you know, the things that people learn through this help not only their coworkers and their companies, but, um, you know, one of the things that we said, this is a societal thing. This isn't just happening in the construction industry. It's happening in all parts of society. And so um, it may be that, you know, somebody at home or a neighbor or, a, you know, a friend that that ends up being the person impacted with what you learned. So um, don't be afraid to, to ask somebody if they need help. Thanks for listening to AZ Rock Talk. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. You can also call 211 and get connected to a crisis response team by calling 211. For the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in Spanish, you can call 1-888-628-9454. For more information on suicide prevention, you can visit Access's website, azaccess.gov slash suicide prevention. So that's azaaccs.gov slash suicide prevention.